My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. So we are in 2 Thessalonians today. Uh, If you don't know where 2 Thessalonians is, I brought my shirt that should help you. You see it? You see it yet? So we have the five books of the law. There you go. All the way across. These are the Gospels. This is Acts. Pauline epistles, general epistles, and Revelation. So you're turning to about right here today. Uh, that's where you're going to in your scriptures. So This is your Bible shirt aid. You like that, Amy? It's like math and the Bible all in one t-shirt. I saw this and I was like, that's fantastic. So This one's from Visual Theology. Uh, it's the same guy that does the uh, Tim Challey's website, the same guy that does the uh, periodic table Bible. Um, so very similar thinking people, which I think is fantastic. So. <clears throat> All right, so we're in Second Thessalonians. Hopefully you've made your way over there. And today is our next to last week in Second Thessalonians. Um, if you want to follow along with any teacher notes, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the Read tab, uh, and then click on the T. Uh, and then we have got today's text we're specifically focusing on is chapter 3, verses 6 through 15. Uh, so next week will be our last week in Second Thessalonians, Lord willing. And then we'll do the benediction, uh, and we'll move into Easter at Coolidge, and then we'll transition into a new book of the Bible. Uh, you guys know which one it is? It's on your tables. Well, I mean, it's obviously in the Bible, but it's also on the weekly update. So that's, boy, that was, I left myself open for that one, didn't I? Yeah, it was a bit easy. You see it? On the, week, the weekly update's the one with the big blue stripe at the top, so... Nahum, yes. Nahum is where we'll be going after. Um, I, th- I felt like that would be a good strong draw for those pagans that come to Easter at Coolidge and don't know anything about the Bible. We're studying Nahum, and they'll go, who's that? And, and you'll go, I don't know, but that's what we're going to learn about. So here we go. All right, 2 Thessalonians. Uh, let's read through 3.15, uh, and then we'll jump into today's lesson. 1.1. One, one. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling 
and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be too soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, beloved brethren, by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. All right, so literary structural observations. 
Uh, what have you noticed a lack of as we have gone through, this is a, a very, might be a challenging question to get, but what have you noticed a lack of, lack of as we've gone through Second uh, Thessalonians that we typically see from Paul a lot of? What have we not seen a lot of? Yeah, quotes from the Old Testament, right? I mean, he is, he is dealing with issues in these churches. He is directly pointing them back to the gospel, the goodness of the gospel. And today's text, this warning against idleness, verses, three, verses 6 through 15 in chapter 3, he deals specifically with what? With what? What's he dealing with? What'd you hear? What was the gripe? What was the complaint? What was the chastisement? Work, right? Yeah, they're just lazy. Yeah, absolutely. There's some laziness going on here. Okay, great. So, so we've dealt with uh, the theology of the second coming of Christ, that he has not come. And we have uh, heard prayers for them, multiple prayers, we think, through this letter. We've seen encouragement. And then now we get the, okay, I've heard some things. And we have to deal with this. And this is one of the things I love about Paul is that he, he just didn't let things go. There wasn't a scenario where Paul saw sin and he was like, you know what, that's okay. He would engage. He would inject truth into a space, which was very good. So today we deal with idleness in busybodies. Uh, so repeated words. So first one there, really playing t-ball here. Josh, what is it? You, yes, it's you, good. The next one might be a little tougher to get, um, but it shows up 11 times. Not, yes, very much so, Not. Did you hear the, the more uh, corrective, fatherly tone in today's text than in the earlier text? In the earlier text, it was a teaching tone. It was a, I'm loving you, I'm making sure you're okay, that you're, you believe the right things. And then this text is, okay, there's a difference here. Now we're switching gears, and we're making sure that you're actually going to work. Because what, what kind of a testimony would Christians have if we, as believers, were known for not working. Is that going to further the cause of Christ, or is that going to hinder the cause of Christ? That's going to hinder substantially, right? So we really needed to make sure we got this one down pat. Um, and there's a lot of people that think that, that work is a result of the fall, and it's something evil and wrong, and it's, that's just not theologically true. Because God put the man and the woman in the garden, and he told them to what? Work, yeah, tend it and keep it, right? It, it was, there was some work to be done. That wasn't pulling weeds, which is awesome, right? But there was some tending and keeping. And I often wondered what, what does tending and keeping look like if you're not pulling weeds in a garden? Because that's really my only experience working in a garden is holding my breath and pulling three weeds and then going back inside because I'm, <laughs> I'm allergic to everything. And Julie's like, yes, that's pretty much exactly right. Um, so I, I don't know, I, but it, it was work. It was something that they were commanded to go and to do to keep up what God had created. So work is a good thing. Work is something that was present before the fall, uh, but it's something that we have a tendency not to want to do. Does this resonate with anybody? Has there ever been a day where you said, you know what, I think I'm good. I think I'll just kind of Netflix today. And everybody looks at their shoelaces. Yes, all right, good. <clears throat> That's when I know I'm on to something here is when everybody starts to tie their shoes at the same time. This is the problem that the, whoever dismisses the service at the end of a service 
when you're looking out across the audience and you're trying to find somebody to close in prayer, all the people who could close in prayer suddenly get the urge to tie their shoes at the same time. It's like, boom, everybody drops down. That's, that's incredible. Like everybody Tebow's all at the same time. But All right. So what do the words mean? Um, let's take a look. So verse 6 is where we'll start today. So, But we command. So this is uh, giving a commandment or declaring to you, brethren. And I, I specifically uh, called out every one of the Adelphoses uh, because I want us to see that this is a we-slash-us conversation all the way through. At no point does Paul switch gears and start talking about those that are not believers. It's, it's, it's brethren, 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 all the way through this particular text. Um, so this is, this is a family-oriented talk as he goes through. Because sometimes he writes New Testament letters, and he will address issues that pagans are having influence or pagans that are in the congregation or how to engage with the pagans. But this is, this is family talk all the way through. So... We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're pulling that phrase back in. We're family here, and we're family through Christ. That you withdraw, or uh, to set, or to stall away from. Your blank there is to avoid, to withdraw yourself, to avoid every brother. So these are brothers in Christ who walks, and this is just the word for walking around and living. This is how you live disorderly. Now, the, I appreciate this particular definition because it's irregularly. And this does not mean with a limp. This is morally irregular. So if you are with a group of believers and you are doing something that is morally irregular with, compared to the group of believers, this is what we are talking about. Something that everybody would look at and go, uh, I don't know. No, that's not, that's not what we should be doing. And I love how broad and vague he is here without identifying a specific sin because that lets everybody be convicted individually by the Holy Spirit for whatever they need to be convicted by. So avoid disorderly or morally irregular walking, uh, things that are not according to the tradition. Now, we talked about the tradition a couple of weeks ago. What's the tradition? What was the tradition that Paul handed down, Paul and his companions handed down to this church. Uh, the specific tradition. So remember the definition. The definition is a gift. That's your blank. This is the paradosis. This is the in the presence of and the act of a giving. Uh, and historically this meant the Jewish traditionary law. But that's not what Paul taught, right? I mean, he didn't come and teach the law. It's, if you if you think Paul came and taught the law, then that is like, go read Romans. <laughs> You're like two chapters in, you're probably okay that Paul did not come and teach the law. What was the gift that Paul brought and shared with these churches? The gospel. Absolutely, it was the gospel. So, brothers who were walking irregularly from the gospel. So, the gospel teaches us to follow after Jesus Christ. So, irregularly from that is what we are talking about here. So not according to the tradition which he received from us. So this is the to, to take to yourself. So verse 7, for you yourselves know, and this is where I, I really feel like Paul gets his, uh, his fatherly tone here, because if you've, you've talked to a kid before and you've said, now you know, right? I mean, you know exactly what's going on here. I, 
I don't have to go into too much detail, but he does, because he's Paul. Uh, so you yourselves know, and this is to understand how you ought or how you should follow. Now, I've got a question. Here's my question. If you have more gray hair than not, what does that mimiamai word look like? There we go. Mimeograph. Anybody remember what a mimeograph is? That's a mimeograph. <laughs> you remember the smell? I remember the smell. Going to my mom's work, and yep, somebody's running the mimeograph today. And I loved the smell of it. Uh, it gave me headaches a couple hours later. It took me a long time to figure that I was not a very like overly bright child at that age, but... Um, but what, what would a mimeograph do? You, you put something in, and it, it's going to do what? It's make copies. What does the first copy look like? It takes a minute, but it, what does the first copy look like? The original. What does the hundredth copy look like? Hopefully the original, right? It gets a little bit, a little bit less, but it imitates or follows. Here, blank is to mimic. Now think about the boldness of... i got a picture for this too. Sorry. Okay. Think about the boldness of this speaking theologically. Speaking about following after what the gospel teaches. And look at verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. Like, there's a... I, I would even go as far to say a bit of audacity there. That, that, is, that is a bold statement. To walk up to someone or write them a letter and in a very fatherly tone say, you ought to be doing what I'm doing. A lot of people would say it's arrogant, yes. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Because Paul knew that copying was a good thing. And he also knew that the original better be really high quality. Because have you ever seen uh, your kids do something that you do that you would prefer them not to do? About every five minutes, right? There's some little technique or trip, uh, tip. Um, and Paul said, mimic us. So hopefully that is both a rebuke and a challenge to us to live lives, not in a legalistic, rule-following manner, but live lives that are consistent with the teaching of the gospel so that we can challenge and encourage others to mimic us. And then he goes on, for we were not disorderly or irregular among you. We weren't, we weren't doing what we just said to avoid, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge or in vain, but we worked, our God's of mine. This is an important word. We're going to see this word several times in today's text. We work. We are our God's of mine. We, we ministered. We labored. We toiled. We worked. And then look at the next two words, with labor and toil. And what does that sound like? It was not simple, right? But specifically, labor and toil. What, what activity in some of your lives does this remind you of? What was it? 
Work, okay. Ladies, I'm specifically looking to you. Labor and toil. I thought this would be much easier than it is. Okay, there we go. Childbirth, yes. Think about when Paul goes to a new city and they start a church. He has a bunch of babies, like spiritual babies that need a lot of care, which is why they would hang out a while and appoint people who are okay being haloed into a mess, raising a bunch of babies all at once. This would not have been easy. There were no old saints in the church. Imagine walking into church and everybody has been saved a week. It's a miracle the letters are as short as they are, right? <laughs> it's shocking to me. And that's why he's saying, follow us, mimic us, and work with labor and toil. That's what they did. They worked with labor and toil night and day that they might not be a burden. And the word here means to be severe or to be chargeable or to overcharge any of you. Anybody like being overcharged? Like, I love getting charged twice for a meal when I go to a restaurant. The bill is wrong. Oh, great, yes, we get to pay extra. Yay! It's like one of those stupid commercials, right? I like running into walls, and the guy spills the salad all over the place, and I'm thinking, who dreamed these commercials up? These are just silliness, right? But they didn't want to be a burden. They didn't want to overcharge any of these people. Not because we don't have authority, right? Because he could have played what? He could have played the, I'm an apostle, you will listen, this is the way the universe works. He didn't play that card. But to make ourselves an example, a typos, a stamp, a statue, a model, a figure, a form, a manner. And when I was young, we were incredibly poor. And my mom uh, would not go to the store to buy clothes. She would go to the store... <laughs> And this is what she would buy for something like for my sister. She would buy what? A pattern. That's your blank. Yes. She would buy a pattern. And uh, why would she buy a pattern? Because she's going to make it herself. That's exactly right. Because if I pay somebody else that's already put all this stuff together, then it's going to be quite expensive. Now, I went yesterday. Where did we go yesterday, Jules? Hobby Lobby, which I, I don't go to Hobby Lobby very often. Uh, and we got a pattern. I've not actually opened this up, so I have no idea what it looks like. But I'm hoping that there are lines to cut with. Oh, my gosh, this is so complicated. Good gracious, alive. Now, Miss Darla and Miss Kay are looking at that, and they're going, that's not that hard. And I'm looking at this going, I have a degree in math, and I am totally useless with this, right? <laughs> None of that is going to help me at all. I need scissors. So, so what would you need to do here? Cut out each individual piece. You're going to do some pinning. And... Are there steps involved? What happens if you just go AWOL? You're like, I don't like that part. I, like, I would like it to be over here. This doesn't fold up very well at all, does it? Oh, my gosh. You can tell I have never done this before, so we'll just leave that right there. <laughs> Say it again. That's exactly right. Because I'm not ready to do this, right? Right. Good. But as a more mature baby, you could take the pieces and change So what would I need as a baby? Might I need somebody that was older, that sounds like elder, 
to lead me through the process of living and walking properly. Yes. This is why we have elders, lest we hurt ourselves with our scissors. <laughs> right? We don't want them poking their eyes out. This would be bad. Oh my gosh, this is so complicated. So would you say that there are varying degrees of expertise relative to following patterns? Would, could you look around any particular church and say there are varying degrees of expertise relative to following patterns? Yes, very much so. I think, I don't want to be so bold, but I think this might be another example of Paul using sowing language in the New Testament. He does it a lot in the New Testament because this is what he did. He was a... A tent maker. I mean, he sewed together skins and hair to make tents. And he, you would use the language that you know, right? Which is why I make math jokes all the time, because that's the language that I know. And you still come back. And that's why I only use a few of them. So that's good. All right. So there's a pattern. They're trying to make themselves... They, no, they didn't try. They made themselves an example of how the Thessalonians should follow, should mimic them. Which I think is interesting because it wasn't just we acted in front of you. We did it in a way that was followable. Does this make sense? Because you, you can perform something in front of somebody so that they can't follow it and they can't understand what you're doing. And you can perform something in front of somebody so that they can follow it. And the way this is phrased is that we made ourselves patterns. We presented our lives in a way that they were followable which is a whole different perspective. So don't miss this as we run through. So verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not, or gizeme, right? If you will not work, neither shall he eat. And you see that's an imperative there. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. For we, akuo, that's where we get our word acoustic, for we hear, we understand that there are some who walk around you in a, go back to the disorderly manner, this is the same word back in 3.6, not argizamaying, not working at all, but are busybodies. All right. Do you remember the preposition circle? All right. So, the preposition circle. There is a preposition immediately before the word ergizomai here in this uh, busybody word. And it is peri, P-E-R-I. That's your blank, peri. They're peri ergizomais. They go over here and go over here and go over here. We're all around the work, but not actually doing the work. Does this make sense? This is one of the reasons I love this particular visual, because you go, oh, I, yes. And most of you, your brain went to somebody that you work with, and you go, I know exactly who my periogizomai is. It's amazing how much fun stuff's on the periphery, isn't it? On the edge over here, right? Periogizomai, right? Where are you going around the work? So feel free... To go to OurSundaySchool.com, download the 
PowerPoint from week six and show them this picture. This is what you were doing. I need you to get in the middle here and do the work and quit skirting the edges of it, right? But this is what busybodies are. Busybodies avoid the the actual work that is to be done. All right? Now, let's turn the mirror around, right? Have we ever been busybodies? Yes, we have. Right? Where we've looked at work and we've gone, now, there's more interesting things to do over here. I come over here. Because this is fun over here, right? I enjoy doing this part. And I, I see it. Like, there's work to be done over there. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Because there's some fun over here and there's some fun. Like, busybodying is enjoyable. Because how did Paul define work earlier? Labor and toil. One of them was sadness. You're like, oh, well, that's, yay. <laughs> no, it's work, right? It's, it's tiring, and that's okay. <clears throat> but some are busybodies. So verse 12. Now those who are such, those who are busybodies, we command and exhort, parakaleo, this is the coming alongside and uh, the almost putting your arm around and saying, all right, we're going to come close and some counsel is going to be given here. I'm going to encourage you through our Lord Jesus Christ. So reminding them that we are brothers, that we are identified through Christ, that we are representatives of Christ. This, Paul doesn't throw Jesus' name around haphazardly. There's a reason it's used right here this way. Through our Lord Jesus, like we are both brothers in Christ. Isn't that, like what a great place to start an exhortation conversation. It is not, hey you... Right? It's, we are brothers in Christ, that they may ergizomai. You see the consistency here? He's not asking them to do something crazy different. That they may ergizomai. That they may work in quietness or stillness. Or your blank is silence. Now, one of the things that uh, I do when I'm studying, uh, so I'll, I'll read the text a bunch during the week and pray during the week, and, and then usually... Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, recently it's been Friday and Saturday, uh, we'll actually go through and do all the Greek stuff and click on all the words and do the links and make it all fit and get it straight in my head. And as I was studying about this word, your blank is the word silence, while I'm studying and doing the Greek, I have earbuds in and I am listening to uh, Pandora. And it is typically a really, uh, how would you describe it, Jules? It's my rap station, right? It's my Christian rap station where the music is very loud. It's got a strong, heavy... You can listen to me. You can picture me rapping, right, uh, while I'm studying Greek. And the, the song that was playing was this, while I'm studying this. And I thought that was just hilarious, so I had to share this with you. And it was a really great song. So, uh, Marshmallow and Silent... I cannot, no. I have no rhythm whatsoever. It is... Really shockingly bad. So, so rather than, I want you to see the difference here though. Rather than being on the periphery, being on the peri, all the way around the work, how are we called to encourage those to work? In quietness and silence. Right? It is hard to be quiet and be a busybody at the same time. Like, it is really fundamentally hard to do that. It's almost the opposite of being a busybody, is being quiet. Right? Because what fun is skirting the edge of all this stuff if you're just going to be quiet? Takes the fun out of it. 
right? So he's dealing with the actual behavior and the manner in which the work is being done. So do your work of quietness and eat your own bread. Now, uh, simple, simple question for you here. How many of you have bread at home? We have bread at home. Where is your bread, Jessica? On the counter. Excellent. Is your bread in Lynn's house? Why? Because it's your bread. Yes. Okay. Good. This is a very simple question, right? So if you're, if I'm telling, if Paul is telling us to eat your own bread, where is your bread? Your house. It is very difficult to be a busybody in your own house. This makes sense? This is not eat somebody else's bread. This is go take care of your own business in your own place. All right? Great. So we've dealt with the manner in which and the actual location. So he's helping us understand what Ergetzimai looks like and what it does not look like. And then verse 13, but as for you, brethren, this is Adelphus again. So we've seen Adelphus all the way through, his brothers all the way through. Do not grow weary or faint in heart in doing good, in living virtuously. So now he's, now he's encouraging those who are not periergizomai. I don't know if I can put an I-N-G on these Greek words or not, but I'm doing it. So that's just where I'm at. Uh, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey, if anyone does not conform to this authority, uh, our word or through this epistle, note or distinguish or mark that person and do not keep company. Do not mix up together or associate with him that he may be ashamed, that he may be confounded or revere or understand there's a difference between my behavior and what my behavior should be. Yet do not count or consider or judge him as an enemy or as hostile or a foe, but admonish. You see the Greek word there, nutheteo? This is where we get our English uh, kind of transliteration, uh, nuthetic counseling. This is what we do at our church. This is, here's what the Bible says, and we're going to put that in your mind. We're going to help you memorize scripture that relates to the issue at hand. That's your blank, to put in mind. It's a very simple process. I'm certainly not saying that, Sean. (laughs) Uh, So I've mentioned this several times. Some of you text me while I'm teaching, and some of it I can say out loud, and some of it I can't, so I I can't say that. Uh, But admonish or put it in mind him as a brother. So now you're going to keep going, right? Oh, okay. Great verse for introverts. Stay home and eat your own bread. That is very straightforward, right? Yes, absolutely. Which is why we should learn bread making. Yes, there we go. Yes, I love it. All right. Had nothing to do with the lesson. There we go. All right. So, but admonish him as a brother. So we have to know the difference between when to avoid, when to withdraw, when to admonish. Could be some trickiness there, right? So what's the point? All right. Application number one. Believing the gospel, holding on to these traditions, has lifestyle implications. Our lives look different because of the gospel. And if they don't, then we don't have the gospel. There either is a change or there is not a change. It's not a, well, there's mostly a change. No, 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 no. There's a change or there's not a change. So believing the gospel has lifestyle implications. So we withdraw and admonish wisely. And I would say it's a good thing we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Scripture, and the church to help. Those are three fantastic aids that God has given us. 
number two application, brothers don't ignore brothers' bad behavior. Uh, so, number two, engage as needed. Uh, I went to the doctor this last week, and I got a prescription. And the prescription had these two words on it, as needed, which basically means you do this when you see the symptoms arise. Right? And I feel like this is what God has given us in this text. He has given us a standing prescription to engage as symptoms arise. There you go. You've got a prescription. You go fill it whenever you need to fill it. And there's enough refills to last the rest of our lives, which is great. So number three, Christians have good examples to follow. So this is very encouraging. So mimic, number three, mimic good examples. If you don't know of a good example, well, then we can help with that. And the number four, working for our Lord Jesus Christ is good. It is not a bad thing to work. So number four, personalize. What do we do with that? Get to work by working, what do you think the blank is? Out, not for, our salvation. Whole different concept. I'm not saying we go and we work for our salvation. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying Jesus has worked for our salvation. That makes a difference in our lives. Our behavior should be different as a result. So your homework down there, you see those items. Next week we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 through 18. But you've got some extra credit, so I'm going to look at the extra credit real quick. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit to show you a brother or sister you need to engage with. So is there somebody that needs to uh, be exhorted? And then get to work engaging with that brother or sister. So this is the actual, let's go live this text. All right, so the benediction is next week. We'll kind of finish up all of Second Thessalonians. Uh, it'll be seven weeks. Oh, my gosh, I can never. This is making me. This is what the problem is, isn't it? Because it's not folded. Pro I get it now. All right, I didn't get it while I was doing it. Scissors and an iron. Uh, yeah, pass. Thanks. That's awesome. All right, so I'm going to get you started on the weekly update because it's at your tables right now. So if you will uh, read through those prayer requests, uh, lean in and... Do I not always say next? Engage with one another. Yes. Words are specific and used on purpose. Lean in and engage with each other's lives in prayer. Uh, and in what else that needs to be done, that's great. And uh, after you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.